Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. We're going to talk today about rising above fear. And if you were here last week, you remember I used this box to represent your life. And we have the power to choose what goes into our life. We can put fear into our life and anxiety into our life and trouble into our life, or we can say, I'm not putting any of these in my life. I'm going to let Jesus fill my life. And when Jesus fills my life, peace will fill my life. And you have a choice. I mean, Jesus says things like, fear not. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be overwhelmed with this life. Trust in me. Put your, your, your faith in me. And so after last week's message, I I received an email from a gentleman in the church. He said, Pastor Bernie, I I thank you for your simple illustration of the box, the box being our life, and that we are allowed to put whatever we want into our life. He says, please know I need your prayers because my life is filled with various fears. Can you please teach on fear again? And I said, okay, I hope everybody else wants to hear about fear again. And someone else wrote and said, Pastor Wayne's illustration with the balloon, if you were here that day, and how our life can be colored in a sense. The balloon was our mind. And however, we decided to color the way we saw things or filtered things, that would eventually become a part of our soul and the fabric of our being or the box of our life. I shared those emails and thoughts with Melissa Paz, who's teaching our kids right now. I just came from there, and uh, Kids United, Work of Heart, uh, A-R-T is capitalized because they're doing hands-on art projects to kind of bring home the message. And I said, how'd it go in Kids United? And she said, oh, we talked about worry. I go, well, that was cool because we were talking about the things we put in our life, and sometimes we will kind of have the same theme. So if you go home and you talk to your kids about what they learned, uh, today they're learning about the fact that they are a masterpiece, that God created a masterpiece. And I saw one little girl between services, she had her little mosaic piece that she made and it said, I am God's masterpiece. She had the prettiest dress on. And I said, you're a masterpiece in a dress, way to go. And she smiled real big and I thought it was great. And I said, so tell me about what you taught about, and she said, of course, worry, and she asked the students, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth graders, what is worry? And one student just raised his hand and blurted out, worry is fear. Well, Melissa had a big jar of oil and water and showed that worry and trust don't mix. And the student said, worry is fear, and then other kids were chiming in with, with fear, and she said, okay, well, define what fear is. And, and one student, reminds me of me when I was a kid, one student says, um, um, fear is being afraid. Now, that's a good definition, right? Well, what's being afraid? Another girl said, um, when you're afraid, you're fearful. And so we didn't get very far in unpacking the definition, but she then asked them this question. These are LFC kids. What are you afraid of? And several of them chimed out, we're afraid of what's going to happen next. We're afraid of the future. We're afraid of tomorrow. 
And I began to think about, that's one of the reasons I prayed for our kids today in service, and I've been praying for them every day this, this week because I've been thinking about the fact that there are kids that are afraid of the what ifs, what's going to happen next. I mean, you have to remember that, you know, third, fourth, and fifth graders, they, they've grown up in a time where there's been terrorism and things called ISIS that they wondered what that was, and parents had to tell them, and, and school shootings, and uh, kids overdosing on their parents' medication. Um, we taught our kids not to use drugs, but somebody forgot to tell them not to use medicine because we give them medicine, right? So this true story in our schools, I can't say which one, but I know this story to be factual. That one kid brought mommy's medicine to school, and it was in a prescription bottle, and it had a drug company on it. It's not meth. It's not heroin. It's not even cannabis. It was a prescribed medicine. And somehow the girl, and you might go, I can't believe this. But these are conversations to have with your kids now. Some, somehow this girl said, well, I, I say no to drugs that we sell in the alleyway or in the street corners or out on 8th Street. I saw it the other day, drug deal going down. But, but that's not drugs. It's medicine. She said, yeah, my, my mom takes this to calm her down, and, and I take it too, and it calms me down. And Well, I've kind of got a lot of anxiety in my life, so maybe I'll take it. It'll calm me down too. And so this is happening in our world, and some kids are doing this because of one phrase. They're afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. Now, you might say, wow, I'm not worried about tomorrow, but without raising your hand, how many of you are? You're worried about the future. You're, you're worried about the economy. You're worried about what's going on in our world even now. And, and, and here's what I know about fear, and you can write this down. Number one, fear is a faith revealer. It, it, it lets us know about what we trust. See, what we fear reveals what we trust and where we put our trust. Um, the story is, is told of the farmer who was out in his fields on his tractor, and he, he saw something moving in the brush, and it turned out to be a little eaglet that no doubt had fallen from the sky. And so he wrapped the eaglet in his sweater and brought it back to his chicken pen next to the chicken coop, and little eaglet was in the yard, and mother hen, just their maternal instincts, started taking care of this little eaglet. And the rooster came over, and now we got to kind of embellish the story a little bit to tell you that these birds could talk. And the rooster came and said to the little eaglet, um, you see that fence? Yes. Uh, don't go anywhere near that fence because the farmer has a sheepdog and the sheepdog sticks its muzzle through the fence and will try to bite your little wings off. Mother hen said, um, you see that fence? Even if you have the ability to, 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 to just like fly for a second, don't ever go over the fence, because if you go over the fence, you'll surely die. And then one day, as the eaglet began to grow and become stronger, he looks up into the sky and he sees eagles flying. And something in his DNA says, man, I want to I go up there. And the rooster comes over and says, don't you dare look up. If you look up, you'll think you can fly and you can't fly. And even if you could fly, you go over the fence, you'll die. You'll surely die. You will surely, you will surely die. 
Mother Hen said, I want you to be afraid of the fence. Just be afraid. Fill your life with fear because inside this little chicken area in a chicken coop, we are safe and secure from all alarm. Inside here, outside there, people die. You will surely, you will surely die. But one day the eagle, as it grew up, saw the eagles flying and he broke out in song. I believe I could fly. I believe I could touch the sky, spread my wings and fly away, but I got to be here with the chickens today. And uh, Hey, how many of you live with the, don't raise your hand. How many of you live with the chickens who constantly tell you that you're to be afraid of the fence? Oh, this, this little eaglet charted a soar, pressed the top of the fence and looked back, and all the chickens said, you're going to die. Mother Hen said, you will surely die. Father Rooster said, you're dead. And the eagle said, I'm out of here and started to soar and was reunited with his family. You see, fear is a faith revealer. And something inside this little eaglet said, man, I was made for more than this. Joshua is told in Joshua 1.9, a, a very great uh, passage of scripture where Joshua is about to take over the children of Israel after Moses had led them. Just think following Moses Ten Commandments, the tablets, Moses, burning bush, Moses, Red Sea, Moses. You're with me? And so this is the guy who's going to take his place. And here's what God says. Would you read it with me? Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So the qualification for not having fear is not that you're so strong or not that you're so courageous is that you choose not to let discouragement come into your life. You choose to allow the presence of God to be greater than the presence of fear in your life. Jesus says in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and... And do not be afraid. Now, this scripture doesn't say that Jesus is creating peace or that he's creating your peace. What he says is, I'm sharing my peace with you. If, if I'm allowed to be the Lord of your life, then peace will be in your heart. If I'm allowed to sit on the throne of your heart, then you can count on my peace. And even if you're afraid... He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Choose not to be afraid. Choose not to be anxious. Choose not to be overcome. Whatever you fear becomes the Lord of your life. Now, when I wrote that, I almost retracted it because I thought somebody might be offended, but, you know, how about we just say this? This is a challenging phrase, not an offensive phrase. I want to be challenged. Whatever you fear becomes the Lord of your life. Whatever you fear gets to sit on the throne of your heart and call the shots of your life. I don't know if you've ever heard the acronym for fear, false evidence appearing real. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah, false evidence appearing real. But this morning, very early, I began to think about the fact that fear 
has to be fueled. And I want you just for a moment to think about fear like airplanes that are flying around your heart. If they do not receive fuel, they will crash and burn, which is good. We want fear to crash. We want fear to burn. We want fear to be eliminated from our lives. So I wrote down in my notes the word fuel. If you've got a little spot on the side of your notes, it's not in your notes or on the screen, but F-U-E-L, fuel. How do we fuel the false evidence appearing real? How do we fuel and keep those planes of fear flying in our lives? And so I came up with this. It's not that spectacular, but it might help you. The F stands for faithless. In order to, to, to fuel your fear, you have to eliminate faith from the equation and the conversation. The U is unrealistic thoughts. We think of things that aren't realistic. Um, is it possible? Yeah, maybe. Is it probable? Not so much. Is it possible that um, today lightning will strike us on C Street as we walk out of the church? Um, all of us? Is it possible? Is it probable? Not so much. Sometimes when we're living in fear and we are fueling our fear planes, we can tend to have unrealistic thinking. Worry gives us an exaggerated understanding of things that really aren't there. The monsters are always bigger, aren't they? You know? The monster in our closet when we were kids that we thought was there, that's unrealistic thinking. And then E is emotional energy. The only way you can fuel your fear is to spend emotional energy on it. And when you're spending emotional energy on fear and anxiety, you're not able to be your best for the people you love the most. You're not able to because you're tired. <laughs> Worry is hard work. You know how I know? Because one of the fifth graders told Melissa. My mom worries all the time. That's what they said. Yeah? And, and you know, this is kids' thing. Kids are honest. They're brutally honest sometimes. My mom worries a lot. She's tired a lot, too, because she worries a lot. Miss Melissa, does it take a lot of your energy to worry a lot? Because my mom says it does. <laughs> Well, wouldn't it be great to just like shoot down those planes of, of fuel and fear and just say, I'm, I'm done with you? And the L of fuel is lies. How many lies do we believe? believe? The second thing is that fear is a faith stealer. It steals our ability to hear from God and to see his presence. We, we start pretending as if God wasn't even there, and pretty soon we start believing what we've been pretending God's not with me. He doesn't really care about what I'm going through. He doesn't care about my discouragement or my depression or my anxiety or my worry or my trouble or my fear. But in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, we have these great words from Jesus. Let, let's read them. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and, and I will give you rest. He doesn't rebuke us because we're weary and burdened. He doesn't come to us and say, how dare you? He says, you come to me or run to me and I will give you the rest that you need for your souls. So a familiar story, Jesus um, puts his disciples in a boat and launches them out into the sea. And he goes up to the mountaintop 
and gets away from them. And it, it, you can understand. He prayed early in the morning away from the disciples. If you had to be with that group of 12, you'd want to get away too. And so he does. He, he gets away and the boat goes out. The waves and the winds come against the boat. I, I like the phrase because it's so realistic. And suddenly the storm appears. Suddenly, quickly, without warning, it just shows up. You, you all know this. You could be just cruising along in life and all of a sudden, boom, something comes out of nowhere and hits you. You know, a, a loved one gets sick or someone has a heart attack or the tire on the car blows out or, you know, suddenly something happens that you didn't expect. Um, you didn't prepare for it. And these guys are out in a storm. And the only thing keeping their boat afloat is something that is called pitch. It's tar. And that tar is between the boards of the boat on the inside and the outside. It's injected into it. It's um, the pitch that was in Noah's ark. God told Noah, here's how you're going to build a boat and you're going to put this, it's called pitch, it's tar. And you're going to put it between the boards and it's going to keep the outside storm from becoming an inside storm. Uh, beautifully, if you like you know, Bible scholarly stuff, uh, the word uh, uh, pitch in the Hebrew text is the word atonement. It's the same word they used when they sacrificed animals to the Lord for the atoning forgiveness of their sins. And so when God told Noah to put his family and the animals, two by two, elephants and kangaroosies, children of the Lord, remember that? Uh, they all come together in the safety of the boat. And for 40 days and 40 nights, the storm and the deluge is on the outside because of pitch. And God made it clear. I want you to use this word. I want you to use the word atonement. And if you study the passage when all the animals and all the people were on the boat that God had prescribed, it says literally this, God is the one that shut the door on the boat. And the safety that we have because of Christ Jesus, because of what we celebrated on Good Friday recently, the fact that Jesus died and shed his blood for us, that, that becomes the pitch of our boat. Listen, don't you dare think that your fear and your anxiety is disconnected from the Lord or disconnected from the power of the cross of Jesus Christ because it's the atoning work that the Lord gives us, his blood that is able to forgive us but also able to save us, and we are in the boat of salvation, and we are safe. Boy, if I was a preacher, I'd go right now. This would be, you know, hey, hey, I'd, I'd pump it up. We'd be hooping and hollering a little bit in here. You know, some of you don't know what about hooping is, but anyway, I, I, I watch some churches where people hoop a lot, and, and uh, yeah, anyway, they amen a lot. Some of them dance. Pastors even sing their sermons. I think it's pretty cool. I, I don't do that because I'll get hurt. So, <laughs> but, but I can say, if you are hanging out with people who are penetrating your pitch, and they're bringing their storm into your boat, a dear gentleman asked me after the 915 service, he says, I have friends who think I have no compassion for them because I choose not to get involved in their stories of fear and small-mindedness and ridicule and just habitual tearing down of other people. And he said, what should I do? Because they, they want to have conversations about how bad other people are and how bad their life is. What should I do? I said, well, you should tell them you will not play with them. They don't play well together with others. 
and you don't want them in your boat. But what you can say to them is, hey, excuse me, I, I have a God who's greater than our fear, and I, and I have a Holy Spirit who's greater than small-minded thinking, and I also have a biblical mandate that says we shouldn't speak ill of each other, but actually we should speak to the benefit of the hearer, and so that's what I'm going to do. You just start preaching louder than they're whining and complaining and see what happens. They'll probably throw me out of the room. I said, good, then you got what you wanted. You wanted to get out of the conversation. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you this. People don't like positivity right now. I shared something with, with, with somebody in our community. I was being as positive as I could be. I could be as negative as some of you. I can. I'm just telling you, I can. But I was being positive. And it was like they started throwing rocks at me. I'm going, what, you know? But look at the good side. We don't want to. Boom, 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 you know? But, but here's how you know if, if worry and doubt and a lack of trust has penetrated your boat in the middle of your storm. Listen to how you talk. And by the way, I'm not condemning anybody or guilting anybody. I'm letting this be a sermon for myself, so I don't have this mastered. You know, just because I'm standing on higher ground than you doesn't mean that I'm, I'm greater than you or more spiritual than you. Luke 6, 45, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Just listen to how you talk. Get your recorder out on your phone if you have a smartphone. If you have an analog flip phone, you're out of luck. But anyway, just, 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 just put it down and record yourself. What do, you, what, do you, what do you sound like? I caught myself the other day while I was preparing for this message saying things, and I go, really? I didn't used to sound like that. And I started doing some introspection to look at where in my own life I started to veer off the track of letting Jesus be the one who brings his peace into my heart. And if Jesus is pushed out of your heart, and you've got trouble and worrying and anxiety and everybody else's commentary on life flooding your boat, your boat will sink. See, boats were not created to have water come in them. Boats were created that the water would be on the outside, the storm would be on the outside. We say this a lot about here. Don't allow the outside storms to become inside storms or your boat will sink. Somebody asked me the other day, Pastor Bernie, have you seen what's on Lompoc Forum and people on Facebook? I said, I don't have Facebook. Now, I love technology. I don't have a Facebook account. I had one years ago. I was spending too much time on it, and people were mad at me because I didn't like their pictures that they were posting. It's only been up six seconds, but I didn't like it automatically, or they would direct message me through the, the Facebook Messenger, and they would say, hey, you didn't respond back. I sent it to you at 2 o'clock, it's now 2 a.m., it's now 6 a.m., how come you didn't respond yet? Uh, it's, uh, delete. So my wife and I had a conversation, I said, delete, I'm done. And I had people at church say, are you, how come you're not on Facebook? You want to be on Facebook? I, I, I'm okay, you enjoy Facebook, have a nice time with it. Yeah, but you should read what the people are saying in the community. I know what they're saying in the community. All I got to do is get in a black and white car tonight with the police department and ride around the city and listen to people talk. It doesn't take much. All I have to do is seek some of my friends who run businesses in the city and ask them what they're concerned about. I, folks, I've got enough info coming in. I don't need any more intel that's negative and downright nasty coming into my boat. Thank you very much. <laughs> by, by the way, didn't Jesus say this? Tomorrow has enough people worrying about it already. Let them worry. You trusted me today. So the disciples... <laughs> are afraid now of their circumstance. They're afraid of the circumstance. Write, write it down. 
He'll catch up. He's been here since 7 a.m. The disciples are afraid of their circumstance. Next fill in. And then Matthew 14 says, thank you, buddy. I love you. Matthew 14 says, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. And they're looking at land saying, oh, man, we are in trouble. And they are buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Their boat is going nowhere now. They are stuck. Can I use the word? They're stuck in a rut. And you know what a rut is, right? It's a grave with the ends dug out. That's all it is. And people die in places like that. They get stuck. They get comfortable. But the disciples were not only afraid about their circumstance, they were afraid about the solution. And you can be both. Matthew 14, 26, when the disciples saw him, Jesus, walking on the lake, they were terrified. And what did they say? It's a ghost. By the way, they had been with Jesus. They know he's a miracle worker. They forget to ask him to do more miracles in their midst. And they said it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. Why do they cry out in fear? Because whatever's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. They cried out in fear. It's a ghost. So let me just bring it to today. You're in a building. You're on the 10th floor, and the building's on fire. And all of a sudden, from the ninth floor, comes up a firefighter. And you hear him say, because that's how they, that's a breathing apparatus, a BA, and that's how they talk. And he says to you, come this way. Come down to the ninth floor. And you're going, oh, because we're going to jump out the ninth floor to safety. And you're going, now, if you're a lady and you like guys in uniform, you might go with him. <laughs> Did somebody just go, woo? <laughs> yeah, God bless you. And uh, <laughs> do you know how many people, I did some research, how many people in America have died in fires because they wouldn't go with the firemen? My chances are, at least I'm standing here, now smoke is coming up, and I, 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 I feel the heat, but there's these sprinklers. They'll, 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 they'll put it all out, and people have died. A fireman have been injured trying to grab somebody, and some have even been killed, according to the research I did, while they tried to rescue people who wouldn't listen to what they were saying in the moment. By the way, if somebody tells you to evacuate, just say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. That's a good thing to do, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but I think I'm right. And so in this scenario, you either stay here and die or you jump with the firefighter and have a chance of living. I think there's lots of people who just stick in the boat because the boat has become comfortable. But here's what I know about fear and here's what I know about fires and here's what I know about boats. Fear, number three, is a spirit dealer. It gives to us a spirit God never intended for us to possess. Your soul was not created to handle all the information and anxiety and fear and trouble and unrest that we put it through. Let me just say it again. Your, your fear 
Your, your soul was not created to handle all the fear and the worry and the doubt and the discouragement that we put it through. I think when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he didn't say, oh, someday there'll be technology and you'll be able to get world news in three seconds or less if you have a fast Wi-Fi. I recently stopped my automatic CNN updates, not because I'm anti-CNN. I just couldn't handle all the information coming in. Wolf Blitzer, here you go again, you know. Nothing against Wolf. Nothing against anybody. I'm not against the media. But all that stuff was flooding. And it dawned on me, you know, one morning, I, I just can't. I just can't. By, by the way, Pastor B's prescription, it's okay if you go a day without news. Today's supposed to be your Sabbath. Wouldn't it be great if we just had a technology fast on the Sabbath? I have a pastor friend who's doing a 90-day fast from technology. He set his phone to only receive phone calls. No texts, no Facebook, no Twitter, no Instagram, no Snapchat, no Pinterest. Come on. He said, for 90 days. I said, how's it going? He's at day 80 now. He said, I'm a new man. My mind is clearer. I'm sleeping better. I'm eating better. And I've lost 11 pounds. I said, how'd you lose 11 pounds? Because I want to know. He said, I turned off all that stuff. Now, I know later I, this, this sermon will haunt me. My wife will remind me what I said in church. I, I know. I know. <laughs> But, but can I remind you that fear is a spirit dealer? Now, you might think of drug deals, meth deals, opioid deals, Xanax deals, where kids are taking drugs today, and um, we haven't taught them very well. We taught them no, don't use drugs, but we didn't teach them don't use medicine. Did you know, what, did you know that? Because they take medicine, right? Doctor gives them medicine. So when their friends bring medicine to school, they think it's okay to use. Come on. Now, just, 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 just sear that in your heart. I want you to, 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 to grab a hold of that. Because greater than any drug dealer is the devil who is a spirit dealer, and he gives us a spirit of fear. Did you know that Timothy was told by Paul, for God has not given us a, a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7. But of power and love and a sound mind. Listen to the Paul the Apostle. This is the guy we love because in Romans he talks to us about being saved and Ephesians about the body of Christ and Colossians about the love of God and, and Galatians about spiritual warfare. I mean, this is the dude and he says, I want you to know, Timothy, as I'm mentoring you, God didn't give us a spirit. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say God doesn't want fear in your life. He says God doesn't give you a spirit. It's a spiritual battle. Fear is a spiritual battle. Would you say it? Fear is a spiritual battle. And it can only be fought with spiritual weaponry because people will be paralyzed by fear. One of the kids told Melissa that fear keeps people from moving. Now, that's wisdom. Fourth grader, 
Fear keeps people from moving. It gives you atrophied. It, it paralyzes you. But God has given us a spirit of power to raise our families, to do the things he's called us to do, to be the grandparents he's called us to be, to be the neighbors he's called us to be, to be the best people at our career that he's called us to be. He gives us power. And then God has given us a spirit of love. Pretty amazing. He wants love to rule our hearts. And he's given us Sound mind. Hmm. He's given us a sound mind. The original language said, he's given us a mind that can be calm when everyone else isn't. He's given us a mind to be calm when the storm is raging on the outside and we're safe and secure inside the boat. He's given us a calm that says, you know what, you can fly over that fence. I have more for you. you. You can easily be stuck in the boat of mediocrity instead of stepping out on opportunity. And all I know is there was a guy named Peter, and I want to raise my flag for him. Say, yo, Peter. People say, yeah, the peasant, he sank. <laughs> he walked on water for a little bit, and he sank. But he left his 11 buddies. He left the, the crowd. He left the popular opinion and said, God, I, I, I want to I come and, and, and see you. Does anybody remember Blockbuster Video? Do you remember Block? Yeah, you know the AAA over by Vons? That was our Blockbuster. They sell insurance there now. Because Blockbuster got busted. Netflix came along and wanted to partner with Blockbuster, and Blockbuster refused. You can Google it and read it online. It's a classic story of people that were risk-averse, and it's a classic story of being stuck. And Blockbuster said, well, we make our money by charging late fees. That was the way they made most of their money. Very little on renting video, a whole lot on late fees. They actually got in trouble once for overcharging people on late fees. Um, <laughs> Netflix said, here's what they said. Let me summarize. Um, hey, Blockbuster, we think we can get people to pay a subscription fee every month, and we will mail them the DVDs. And Blockbuster said, no, we want them to come in the store. Nobody's going to pay a subscription subscription. No one's going to. They said, and we've got this dream. It, it's called um, content on the internet. And Blockbuster exec said, no one will watch video on their laptop or on their desktop. Now, this is before smart TVs, where you could just like beam it up or Apple TV, up automatically on your TV. Now, people that were smart and tech savvy wired it to their TV or, or got a projector and put it on their screen, but, but, but Blockbuster execs said no one would ever sit there on an iPad or a laptop and watch a movie. It's unheard of. And I saw two guys in Florianos watching movies on their phone. Huh? From Netflix. <laughs> well, Blockbuster is no more, and Netflix as of two months ago, is worth $117 billion with a B. 
How many of you use Netflix? Come on. Okay, and I rest my case. How many use Blockbuster? You go to block, <laughs> Blockbuster. Now, what does that have to do with spirituality? I don't know. I just wanted to tell you the story. <laughs> no, it has a lot. Because Jesus could be calling you out of the boat and wanting you to walk on water with him, wanting you to do something miraculous in your life. And you could say, well, excuse me, I like it in my boat. But your boat's taking on water. It's okay. I'll just bail the water out with my old milk jug that I cut the bottom off, and I'll just, right? And I'll put rubber ducks in here, and we'll have a lot of fun. And then somebody calls up and says, hey, did you hear about Joe? What happened to Joe? He sank. Because fear gripped his life. Did you hear about Susie? Yeah, she sank because fear gripped her life. I said on Easter something. I said, if, if your life is not too big for you, then you're living the wrong life. You need to rise above. And I said, if your vision is not too big for you, then you have the wrong vision. You need to rise above. And then I said, I couldn't believe I said this. I'm such a nice guy. I couldn't believe I challenged people this way, but I did. I said, God wants to give you a life that you need God to live out. And I met somebody outside at the buffet line on Easter, and they said, um, I've been to Easter services all my life, and no one's ever challenged me. And I said, cool. You want more challenge? Yeah. How will you live differently this week because of what you heard? He goes, I don't know. I'm going to the buffet. But I said, no, no. How will you live differently? See, I, I just want to tell you, I, I, I want to live a life that's so big I can't live it on my own without God. I want to pastor a church that is so influential that we can't do what we do without God. And by the way, we can't do what we do now without God. Um, but I don't think God's done with us. I think God has more for us. You know how I know that? Because I hear his whisper, his concern for our community. I listen to people and their level of need. I hang out every once in a while on the Air Force Base and talk to people that are, that are struggling. It's because they're in the military. Don't you think they don't have struggles? I talk to cops. I talk to firemen. I talk to teachers. I talk to people that work in the hospital. And I go, you know what? They all are broken and fractured just like me. I'm included in their bucket. And that's why our church needs to keep being loving and caring. And, and so now I want to just, as we wrap this thing up, because your tummies are growling, um, I want you to answer the, the question that's in your notes. What would you do if you had no fear? Now pretend the sermon is just stopped for a minute. Now we're doing a little seminar therapy session. What would you do if you had no fear? Now, write something down, and if you're sitting next to somebody you know, just write it in code. Make up your own code. Spiritual code. Now, either in your head or on paper, do you all have something? See, at first service, somebody told me, yeah, I would go back to school, but I'm afraid I don't know how to pay for it, and I don't know if I could get back in the groove of education because I've been out so long. Someone else said, I would change careers if I wasn't afraid. I have this dream inside. Someone else, someone else said it resonates with them. 
as I was talking about it, I saw their heads going up and I, I caught them outside and they said, yeah, there's somebody in their family that they want to share their faith with because that person's getting older and they want to make sure that person goes to heaven. But they're afraid of rejection. They're afraid of what the other family members will say so they won't tell this person they love about Jesus. That, 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 that's their fear. So let me ask you the question again. What would you do if you had no fear? Now, now here's, here's the response. Whatever your answer is, that is what your fear is robbing you from. Now just let that sink in. Whatever your answer is, that is what you're allowing the spirit, spirit of fear to rob you from. The spirit of fear. When Jesus showed up, he said in Matthew 14, 27, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. So the ultimate thing we must do is do what Peter did. Because then Peter said, because Jesus said, it's I, and Peter said, Matthew 14, 28, 29, Lord, if it is you, he just said it was him, but Lord, if it is you, Peter's a little slow, tell me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So the most important thing we should ask God is this, Lord, is it you? And if he says it is, then we go. Then we come. Then, then, then we leave our fear. Then we take Jesus at his word and let his peace rule our hearts. Oh, but I'm afraid. I know you're afraid. But fly over the fence. Yeah, but I like my boat. Yeah, well, that's great. I'm glad you like your stinking boat. Blockbuster liked their stinking boat. Kodak like Kodak like their stinking boat when digital was starting to emerge. Kodak said this, no one will ever buy into the digital age. <laughs> when Steve Jobs said, someday everybody will have a computer on their desk, he got laughed at because nobody had a computer except for some businesses. Some of you remember the early days of IBM, 8086, 8088, if you're that old. DOS prompts, come on. I I was good at DOS, and then they changed to Microsoft Works that never worked. Anyway, sorry, I'm going along here, I get it. (laughs) Hey, don't, don't, don't let the world pass you by. Well, actually, let me rephrase it. Let the world pass you by, but don't let Jesus and his plan for your life pass you by. So um, I, I contacted a friend of mine who is a Christian therapist. Are you ready? Christian therapist. And I said, um, when you see people in your office for an hour, they said, oh, oh no, no, an hour. It's 45 minutes. Really? Okay, when you see people for 45 minutes, yeah. And um, I build a maximum, she said, um, 200 bucks for 45 minutes. Hey, fly over the fence. Get your therapy degree and go do that. 200 bucks for 45 minutes. Don't forget to tithe. But anyway, um, 
I asked her this question. What do you do when people are gripped with fear? And she says, um, I have them define their fear. They have to name it. Okay. So I take a piece of cardstock like this. I go, you charge 200 bucks for a piece of cardstock <laughs> and 45 minutes of your time? Yeah. Yeah, well, they get a cup of coffee, she said, if they want it, or hot tea. Yeah. So I have them write the word fear here and just identify and name some of their fears. Okay. Now, this isn't the sermon. This is, this is I'm, I'm saving you 200 bucks. Be happy. Let me go a little long. I'm saving you 200 bucks. So, well, honey, he should be done not now. Yeah, but I'm, I'm helping you. And your, and your honey actually likes this, so be nice. So fear and then identify what the fear is. Okay? Fear. Fear of failure. Fear of finance. I can't go back to school because I might fail and, and I can't pay. Okay, just, just fear. And on the back side... Two columns, okay? Right here on this, on this column, all the experiences you've had in your life where God has come through for you. I don't know how I'm gonna make it and God showed you a way. I don't know how I'm gonna be pregnant nine months and push a kid out. First child, I'm freaking out. But God gave me a beautiful kid. I mean, you, you see? You see? Um, yeah, I, I was going to tell you another story, but we don't have time. So right here, all the experiences, right, where God came through. And then on this side, Christian therapist, write down scriptures. Don't let your heart be troubled. I've overcome the world. Believe in me. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. I don't make peace, but I give you my peace. Right, write it down. And then she says this. I tell these people to take this card and place it in a prominent place. Like a drawer or a cosmetic counter or wherever, the mirror in her house. And when they're afraid, I challenge them to grab the card to name their fears and quickly do spiritual warfare. Fear is a spirit. And to speak loudly enough so the spirit can hear and so your own soul, your own spirit can hear, hey, God got me through. I wasn't going to graduate, but I did. I should have never got that job. Oh, the contract was ended, but I got picked up by another company. Oh, my God, I pushed out that baby. Huh? And then you start reading the scriptures over here and speaking to the spirit. Fear and people go, What do you mean speaking to the fear? Well, that's what we do. It's a spiritual battle. And Jesus spoke to spirits all the time. Come out, he said. <laughs> Remember the demoniac? He said, Come out. And all the devil came out and went inside the pigs. I mean, send your fear away. Or how about what Abraham Lincoln did? His old Bible that they have from the critical years of the Civil War falls open to Psalm 34. And there was one particular passage in Psalm 34 that has Abraham Lincoln's finger smudge marks on it. He kind of wore out the verse by pointing to it. 
And it's this verse, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. And that's what he wants to do with all of us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.